0: Let's jump into our second quick session here. Let's talk about three important purposes of Scripture. Three important purposes. Let's turn to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. So we're renewed in truth. We're being reminded about some things that God says about the Scriptures. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. And that from a child... Thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. If that's your testimony, that's a great testimony to have. Not everybody has that. That from a child, thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise in the salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect. Through we furnished unto all good works, and so Paul, writing to his young protege Timothy, reminds him here about the scriptures, and he hints a little bit about the purposes of it. In Psalm sixty-eight, what we looked at just a few moments ago, the Lord gave the word. We're reminded it's the Lord who gave the word; it's His word. So He determines why it's His word. He determines why He gave it. He determines what it will do. The Lord gave the word. This is something that happened in the past, and yet the results are still ongoing. The Lord gave it, and, and we are still reaping the benefits of it today. It's interesting. The Bible says, great was the company of those that published it. Sometimes when we use the word company, we talk about this. Hey, kids, clean that room up. We got company coming over. Quick, open the closet doors. Throw everything in. Make it look like we keep a clean house. Company's coming. Company's coming. But, Dad, it's just the grandparents. They've seen our house. No, no, it's company. It's company. Uh, by the time they've been here a week, they'll see how we really live. But when they first get here, uh, let's have it clean. Company's coming. That's not the way the word's being used in Psalm sixty-eight, eleven. The Lord gave the word, and great was the company. It's more like company B reporting for duty. It's a military mindset. In the early days uh, of our fundamental heritage, there was this idea that we're militant about the truth, not mean, but ready to draw the line in the sand and say we're going to contend for the faith. And that comes from verses like Psalm 68, 11. There's a company, there's a, there's a military ready to go out and take this word that God has given to us and spread it to anyone who will listen. When you read the book of Acts, you'll find that the word of God increases, it, it multiplies, it, it grows. Why? Because you have Christians saying this is God's word and I want to give it to someone else. And so why is there such an emphasis in the scriptures of getting the word of God out to mankind, well, three simple purposes or three functions of the Scriptures. Number one, the word of God brings salvation. <laughs> I think that's pretty important. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. First Peter chapter one verse twenty-three: We are born again by the incorruptible word of God. The word of God is important. Uh, When you see this in the Old Testament, you see it in the days of Josiah, 2 Kings chapter 22, where he's talking about the scriptures. He heard the words of the book of the law and he responded in repentance. In John chapter 5, Jesus told those who were following him, search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they that testify of me. The word of God brings salvation. Without the scriptures, you and I don't know how to get to heaven. Without the scriptures, we have no guide, and everybody does that which is right in their own eyes. When everybody does that which is right in their own eyes, the end thereof are the ways of death. The book of Judges is a great example of people doing that which is right in their own eyes. It's anarchy. And today, we're living in a day where people want to do that which is right in their own eyes. And often, here's the slogan we hear. Well, that's my truth. This is my truth. All truth is God's truth. And God's truth is absolute It doesn't change from person to person. And the truth of Scripture shows us how to get to heaven. Uh, We don't take a survey and say, How do you think we should do this? How do you think we should get to heaven? What do you think is the best route to take? There's a lot of different ways to get from California to Dallas. I could take the 10 and then come up. I could take the 40 and then come down. I could work my way to the 20. Uh, I could take back roads because my navigation system decided to have fun with me. There's a lot of different ways I could do to get here. And sometimes people have that mentality. Hey, there's a lot of different ways, but we all end up at the same place because we're all God's children. No. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And so the scriptures are important because it brings salvation. Number two, the word of God is important because it's used in our sanctification. Our sanctification. The word sanctification uh, has the idea of being set apart. It has the idea of being made holy. Sometimes in uh, American society, we think God's goal for our life is for us to be happy. God is only concerned about our happiness. Well, actually, God says more about our holiness. When you read the scriptures, the Bible never says, Be ye happy as I am happy, but you will read, Be ye holy even as I am holy. And so the word of God is used for our sanctification. John seventeen, verse seventeen, Jesus said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Then he says, Thy word is truth. John fifteen, verse three, Jesus, after talking about the parable there of him being the vine and where the branches, he says, Now you are clean through the word which I've spoken. The word of God is what cleans us up, the word of God is what sets us apart. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 26 says that he might sanctify us with the washing of water uh, by the word. The tool that God uses to sanctify us, at least the primary tool, is the word of God. Because as we read it, we get a picture of who Jesus is and he begins to conform us into his image through the use of the scriptures. Romans 12 verse number 1 and 2 is a verse we hear often. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercy of God, you present your bodies a A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, and God's your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our mind? Well, partly by the intake of Scripture. As we bring Scripture in, it takes the stuff that shouldn't be there and pushes it out. There's a sanctifying process there. Our minds are renewed through Scriptures. Our desires are recreated based on the Scriptures. God begins to give us His desires as we spend time in the Word of God, our Our desires change. When I was in high school, I had a desire. My uncle was a civil engineer uh, in Georgia. Uh, His firm uh, designed Home Depots, designed Chick-fil-A's, and uh, it was a lucrative position. and, And so what I wanted to do was go to Georgia Tech, become an engineer. I wanted to be a rambling wreck from Georgia Tech. That was my goal. And I knew my parents, if I said the goal was money, that they would sort of dissuade that. So I had to think about how to, how to couch this in terms that sounded spiritual. I believe God wants me to be a Christian businessman so I can support missionaries. That just sounded better than saying I want to make a lot of money. Uh, the truth was that I wanted to make a lot of money. But as I got into a Christian school, as I began to spend time in the Word of God, as I began to be in places where I was hearing Bible taught and preaching in chapels, God began to do a work on the inside. I was already saved, but God began to do a work of sanctification. Because of the scriptures coming into contact with it, my desires changed. And my direction in life changed. Why? Because of the word of God being used. Now, I don't know how many sermons I have heard in my lifetime. Growing up in a preacher's home, I got bonus sermons. Uh, well, we didn't have to wait till just Sunday and Wednesday to hear them. My dad had extras for us throughout the week. So I don't know how many sermons I've heard. And when I went to chapel, college, we had chapel five days a week. I don't know how many sermons I heard there. And, and we have chapel five days a week in, in college at, in California. And it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I, I don't know how many sermons I have heard. Frankly, I can probably give you the outlines from under ten of them. That would be generous. It might be closer to five. Ten of them. You say, well, if you can only remember ten of them... What's the use? Let me show you an analogy. This August, I'll turn 47. That's hard for me to believe. I'm sort of gearing with that idea that I'm getting closer to the 50 mark. I don't look it because I keep my head shaved. And if I, if I let my hair grow out, there's gray in it. This morning, as I got out of the van, one of Pastor Andrew's kids goes, where's your hair? <laughs> so I left it in California. So I think about this idea... Uh, uh, of that kind of a thought and I I think about the idea of scripture. I think about how God's word just sort of changes me from the inside out. As I look back, I can't remember all of the sermons I've heard. But in 47 years, I can't remember all the meals I've eaten either. My wife isn't here. She's heard me say this before. I don't know that I could recreate 10 of her menus from 24 years of marriage. That doesn't mean that the food is not important. I wouldn't be here without it. Scriptures, I may not be able to remember every single sermon I've heard, but all of them have had an impact in my life. I wouldn't be here without it. And so God uses the Scriptures to sanctify. My desires are recreated. My habits are developed. God begins to teach me new habits. And then my worldview is changed. As I spend time with Scriptures, I see the world differently than the common uh, newscaster who's on the radio. I see the world differently than people in politics and, and those that are sometimes in positions of influence. I see the world differently. Why? Because I, I'm developing a biblical worldview. I mean, with a biblical worldview, it helps me draw the line on where I stand with issues like abortion or uh, same-sex marriage. Or you name the issue the, with a biblical worldview. You say, well, how, how can Christians sometimes say, I'm a Christian and I am also this? And it's so, it's so antithetical to Scripture's. It's one thing to be a Christian in name. It's quite another to say, I want this to be my final authority in matters of faith and practice. And when this is our final authority in matters of faith and practice, it changes our worldview. So the Word of God helps us in salvation and sanctification. And then thirdly, it equips us for service. In 2 Timothy, where we started, why does God give us this inspired scripture? Verse 17, So that a man of God may be perfect, mature, uh, we often will show pictures. Last night, we, my wife and I, we've served in singles ministry for 23 years there in California. There's been a lot of weddings that we've been a part of, and our, our kids have been flower girls more times than I can remember. One of the couples who met in our class 19 years ago, uh, 10 years ago, moved from uh, California to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And last night, their oldest son graduated from high school, so we went over and surprised them and was a part of their graduation, and uh, on their, the board that he had, uh, there was pictures of my kids and him when they were growing up little kids like we 're talking four and five years old and and we're sort of looking back at, uh, you know, sometimes the, the way the kids were when they first started and when they learned to walk and when they learned to talk and uh, when they uh, had that stubborn streak that we were trying to break and uh, when they had that self-will thing that, uh, that they probably got from their dad. And, and we're sort of just working through all of that. And, and now they're, they're growing into young ladies. There's, there's a maturing process. It's not finished. but It's a process that we can at least look back over, over the years and start to see some progress being developed. That's what the Word of God wants to do for us. Help us become mature, to perfect us. Why? So that we would have everything we need to do the good works, freely furnished, totally equipped, having e- totally outfitted to do the good works. When I came home from Bible college my first year, my dad had moved to a new church, so I didn't know any of the people, and... He said, Mike, I want you to come home this summer and get to know this church, and, and uh, I'll pay you sort of as an intern, and I said, it'd be great. He said, but I, we can't do it full-time, so I'm going to have a guy in our church also give you a job, and I said, okay, what am I going to be doing? He said, I'm going to let you be an electrician. Great, that will be fun, and so I became an electrician. As an electrician, uh, when you're new in a job, they, they sort of have a breaking-in policy for the newbie, and so uh, we were finishing up our first house, and the guy that was the boss said, Mike, I want you to go out to the truck. we were short a little bit here on this wire. said, I want you to go out and get the wire stretchers. And so I went out and looked in the truck for the wire stretcher, and I couldn't find him. Came back in the house and said, sir, I can't find him. I'm sorry. Uh, can you describe him? So he described this fictitious thing and sent me back out again. I came in three different times. The fourth time I came in, they were all dying, and I couldn't hold it any longer. Say, said, welcome to the electrical world. And there is no such thing as a wire stretcher, and I didn't know that. I was totally dream. Then my second day, he said, all right, now, Mike, now that we broke in and some fun with you, today we're going to take you to the tool shop. We're going to send everybody else out first. We've got to get you your tools. And I think I weighed about 112 pounds. And so he put this uh, belt on me and began to put all these things, and it just sort of just started pulling me down. And, and so here I am, this 112. I felt like I had 50 pounds strapped around me. He said, now, this is for this situation. This is for this situation. This is for that. And, and he, he was equipping me to do the work. That's what this is. This equips us to do the work of God. Uh, Practically, if we don't know Scripture, we limit our ability to serve God with long-term impact. Zeal with no knowledge is dangerous. Paul describes this in Romans chapter 10, having a zeal for God but no knowledge. I I think that's a great example sometimes of the Mormons. 18, 19-year-old elder with his bicycle, comes to your door. He's got all kind of zeal, and he's got a memorized speech from his, his six weeks of training. You get him off track, off topic, he doesn't know where to go. He's zeal, but no knowledge. Zeal without knowledge is dangerous. Knowledge without zeal leads to pride and intellectualism, and that's boring. Here I think of the Jehovah's Witness. They have a lot of knowledge when they knock on your door. Ask them anything, they're prepared with an answer. may not be the right answer, but they're at least prepared to give an answer. But no zeal. If I ever go door knocking, there's more. There's Jehovah's Witness on my street. We just split up, and, and we'll, we'll finish the street before they've gone to a couple of houses. Why is that? Because they move slowly. You ever watched them? Have their briefcases, and they, they all move so slow. It doesn't matter if I've observed this in New York, in Georgia, uh, in California. They just they're not in a hurry. When we go out, where we come back, we sign back in. How many doors did you hit? When they come back in, they how long were you out? It's a different emphasis, right? It doesn't matter how many people you talked how long were you out? I was out for two hours on that one street. It took me forever to get to it. Uh, and so I've, I've literally seen 12 people sit at the bottom of a driveway while two people walked up. and i all just waiting for them to come back. Why is that? They have a lot of knowledge, but no zeal. Mormons, on the other hand, a lot of zeal. I'm going to go around the world with my bicycle, and I'm going to go everywhere. A lot of zeal, but not knowledge. Here's what, here's what the goal of being renewed in truth is. We never lose our zeal that we had, our first love that when we got saved, we had to tell everybody, we don't want to lose the zeal. We just want to couple that with knowledge because knowledge and zeal coupled together, that's powerful and helps us to have a long-lasting impact. Well, we got to know we're saved. And the Word of God helps us to know that. Uh, And and we need to understand God's goal for our life is sanctification. And we also need to know that God has created us to serve Him with good works. And so the purpose of Scripture...